There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week is Hale Varsity's Jacob Padilla. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, Derek. How about you? I am good. We are also joined by Hale Varsity's Aaron Sorensen, who can now hear colors and see sound waves like Monica Rambo from WandaVision. Aaron, how are you? Good, but I have not yet heard from Bill Gates, so my microchip is not yet fully functional. Waiting on that. I'm vaccinated, though, which is exciting. So, Bill Gates, give me a call. I'm still waiting. How does this thing work? You have to wait 96 hours. Okay. And then you are contacted. Then you're contacted. (laughs) It'll be a little, it'll be like a little heads up display thing that pops up in your right pupil. Perfect. You'll see it. I'm looking forward to it. The transition has begun. Um, We'll get the stuff out of the way in the open this week. This podcast is is one of many in the Herd App Media Network and the Hill Varsity Network. You can subscribe to the I-80 Preview Podcast with Brandon Vogel, which may or may not be coming back sometime soon. Um, the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith, the Mind Your Own Podcast with our very own Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Special props to Sasha for producing this show every single week. And the Nebraska Preps Postgame Show with Jacob Padilla and Damon Benning. Also, if you guys have not already, make sure that you're signed up for a Hill Varsity subscription. Uh, the yearbook is is just around the corner. And this latest issue, which will be hitting newsstand soon, is one I think I think few people will expect and everyone will love. Aaron has a story in there that's wonderful. Uh, so go to hillvarsity.com backslash subscribe. That's a lot of, of crap to get out of the way. But if you were just to take a solid hour on a Friday, do it while you're at work, eat up the last hour on the clock take an hour and go to subscribe to a few podcasts and sign up for the magazine. Good things will come to you. Um, You guys, I started last week's podcast with Brandon Vogel with an absurd hypothetical. And I think I would like to make that a semi-regular thing here on this podcast. First, did either of you listen to last week's hypothetical? Yes. Okay. I am really behind on my podcast. I typically listen in the days following and I am really behind. So I need to catch up. I have not heard it yet. Well, you've been vaccinated. So you, you have, you, you have a, a reason here, a, a realistic well, reason. True. Here. But like, I typically listen on my drives to and from Lincoln and I missed one this week by being vaccinated. Yeah. So I am behind about four days on all my podcasts. There you go. It's fine. Well, Jacob at least kind of knows the tenor of this. Um, it's going to be absurd. I have a, I, I, it's a proposition for you. Jacob, we'll start with, with you and then I'll switch the teams and we'll go to Aaron. The Phoenix Suns and the Green Bay Packers will win the next four consecutive NBA and NFL titles. Teams have three-peated in basketball, but I don't think anyone in modern basketball has, has won four in a row. And then a couple franchises, including your Packers, have won three in four years, but I don't think anybody has won four Super Bowls in four years. I don't think. Feel free to fact check me, anybody that's listening. So your two professional teams will make history. At the same time, you will have four years of just complete and utter dominance over professional football and professional basketball. And you will be able to just give Greg and myself hell for four years as you guys run rough shed through the rest of the leagues. But the trade-off is that after those four titles are finished, You have to watch 20 consecutive years of sub 400 football and basketball, and you are not allowed to swap allegiances. After the 24 years here are up, your teams go back to to normal. They go back to standard operating procedure. Would you take that deal? That is really tough. 20 years is a long time. Um, 
so the, the ability to talk trash to you and Greg um, makes this an even tougher, the, the fact that you brought that up and mentioned that, uh, because that would be wonderful. Um, but I'm, I'm a person that enjoys just watching the games, and I enjoy watching a good team. And the last, I have to say, the last 10 years of being a Phoenix Suns basketball fan has not been enjoyable. It's been enjoyable for us. We get we get <laughs> stories of of goats defecating. It's been enjoyable for us. Yeah. Well, I don't care about you. <laughs> um, so, I oh jeez, I would not take that. Uh, I would not take that deal. I've never been the wins above everything. Um, all that. I've never been that kind of fan. I like. I enjoy watching good sports. I enjoy watching my teams have success. And I, I guess we don't know what the, the alternative is here. Like, uh, but yeah, I, I'd probably, I'd probably just take my shot at either one of those teams winning a chip somewhere in there and then being consistently good and fun to watch over the next two and a half decades versus guaranteeing myself in the 20 years of losing yeah, this one is particularly interesting for you because it's not it's not sub five hundred ball, it's sub four hundred ball. So you'd yeah. be watching some bad teams. And I know for you in particular, that would drive you insane. And with, with the thing with too with uh the Packers is there have been a couple bad years here and there. Um with Rogers gotten hurt, uh at the very end when Rogers first got in there and they were kind of rebuilding. Um, they've had a few, a couple losing seasons or, and even when Rogers did get hurt, they like made it in there somehow at like sub 500 or whatever. Um, that was a weird year with that tie in there, but um, I'd never, Packers have never been bad. Like during the, the time that I've watched them really, like I just, when I first got started as a Packers fan, um, they, they weren't great, but as I got older and basically the entire time that I've been like closely following and old enough to comprehend and follow it closely they've been good and most of the time it's been Aaron Rodgers so we'll see what the post Rodgers life is like but yeah that, that would be really tough going from consistently good to great every single year almost to no, like just nothing and just trash to, to being a Cleveland Browns fan that oh. that, that would be tough <laughs> um, take shots at Seamus in here <laughs> he's not gonna listen to this um but so, yeah, that and then the Suns, again, the fact that I've gone the last decade of watching what you've described, basically, um, and now I've gotten to this point where they've kind of pulled themselves out of that. And it's really fun watching what I'm watching now. And we haven't even gotten to the playoffs. Like, this is the most enjoyable fun, uh, season as a basketball fan I've had in a long, long time. So, like, the fact that it's 82 games over an entire however long however many months the season is like i think that i i that, that would be really tough to swallow for 20 years of that um knowing you're not going to get out of that even if and like championship would be great but one of my like the packers won a championship with me as a fan that was awesome it doesn't impact my daily life like and i i wasn't in green bay i didn't get to go to a um Super Bowl parade thing, whatever, kind of build those kind of memories. So it was just kind of like awesome. Uh, it was really fun to watch. Absolutely loved it. Um, it was fun kind of being the talk of everybody shortly after that. Then the next season started, we moved on um, and they haven't gotten back there since. So um, I, it, so I think from that perspective, like, yeah, winning it all is awesome. That's what the, what the goal is every single year, but I'm kind of more of a journey um, type of fan, I guess. That's fair. Aaron, I'm going to switch to you. And because you have not listened to last week's podcast, I'm actually going to change your hypothetical on the spot here. It's not going to be sports related. Well, kind of. Um, on January 1, every new year, you will have a million dollars direct deposit into your bank account. Every year for the rest of your life. But... In exchange for that, Michaela Fecky will find you randomly throughout the year, once a year, and you will get blasted by a Michaela Fecky swing. 
do you take that deal? Yes or no? So here's the fear that I have is how much is the plastic surgery going to cost <laughs> to make up for what she has done to my face? Um, because that's going to offset that million dollars very, very quickly. Um, here, here's what I would say. I have often said that I would not want to be on the other side of the net from Lauren Stiverens. And I feel that way about Michaela Fecky as well. There are a lot of people, mostly men, who when I make that comment on Twitter is like, oh, I would totally take a shot. Like, oh, she can come at me and I'd be fine. I could do it. And those are the same people that get called to like go square up against Serena Williams and get completely smoked and find themselves surprised that they're as good as they are. Um, oh, my God. I just, I would probably have my nose broken more times than I need to like care to admit. Honestly, no, I don't really want to like be in that much physical pain that often to like think of how I would get, like, I don't think people realize I have been hit in the face by a volleyball numbers of times. And I guess you're not implying, but I'm just feeling like her aim is good enough. That right. It could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. She could, she, you could be, you could be sleeping and she could, jolt you awake by smashing a volleyball into your chest or rib cage oh god that would also hurt really yeah, bad right yeah i'd probably but, say no i mean you could you could bank like five years like you could bank five million bucks and then you could use that on the plastic surgery or build yourself like a tony stark level suit to just shield yourself from her there's nothing in the rules preventing Which that but then I'd have to have that with me at all times because this is completely un like I have no idea. So like basically I'm walking around as Iron Man all the time out of like preparation for her until she decides to like attack me, which would be always on like December 31st, because then I would have to also go through everything to not. No, I don't really want to get, I don't really want to be live my life in fear of Michaela Fecky. Um, so I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to take the million dollars, which seems insane because I should, but no, I just don't want to be that. I don't want to be, I don't want to be harmed. And I would be like, so scared <laughs> all the time. Like I would be terrified every day all day like just absolutely terrified so she could she could wait until like december 1st so you live your entire year that's what in I'm fear saying. December you have 31st. like 29 days of of being like okay it's not gonna happen and then january 1 hits the direct deposit hits and you're like yay and then you remember oh sh yeah the amount of anxiety and stress that would add to my life on top of how many times i probably have ribs broken um my nose broken like I don't want to get gruesome here. People really should never look up volleyball injuries. You shouldn't look up most injuries. Like don't spend your time on the internet doing that. But like people have had like their eyeballs, like, like basically like popped essentially. I don't even think I'm saying that correctly, but you know what I'm talking about where it like basically like a blood, like a blood vessel pops because they've gotten hit so hard. Like gross. there are like really gross injuries that happen in volleyball just because head on a swivel head on a swivel which is part of like when people are like you don't seem to care so much when you're on the sidelines at a football game and I'm like I certainly should more but I feel less concerned in like that environment it feels like my odds are lower that I'm going to obviously get hit on the sidelines without like seeing the person coming at me or getting hit by a football volleyball is one of those things where you just can't predict you just cannot, you cannot ready yourself for that until it's just coming right at you. And when like someone like Nicklin Hames takes a shot straight to the face and then just bounces up, like I'm fine. I'm like also now terrified of Nicklin Hames because like, she is not a human. Like, like that Superwoman. is not a, that is not a human thing. That is not a, that is not a human reaction. She like so. immediately bounced back up too. And like had a smile on her face. And I was like, wow. This yeah, is, uh... and I'm like, she for sure has a concussion, didn't have a concussion. Obviously you have to go through concussion protocol, but I'm like, there's a real life Scott Sterling moment with her. It was incredible. Yeah. So no, I, I can't take the money because I can't live my life in fear. And also I just, I don't want to have to like be constantly like repairing my body. The, yeah. the head on that, the swivel thing. Yeah. I was going to say that's the, that's the trade-off where um, kind of covered volleyball the last, I don't even know how many years it is now, um, but three years at Creighton 
we were courtside for those games at Sokol Arena. And I was fortunate enough that my laptop and my face never got uh, hit by a stray volleyball, but I've seen it happen. <laughs> and uh, so that's a trade-off. It's nice being closer to the action, like was it Creighton, but here at Nebraska, you're up in the, the media section. Uh, where you're not as close, but you're definitely much safer up there. Well, Jacob, mm-hmm. you and I went to the Final Four in Minneapolis two yep. or three years ago, whenever that was. And I don't know if you remember this, but like I was, I had an irrational fear of getting blasted <laughs> right, the right. ball the entire time we were there. This is why I don't go to baseball games because I wouldn't be able to enjoy the baseball game because or the the company oh. at the baseball game because I would constantly be living in fear that a foul ball is going to seek but me out. At least Did you have you a net. <laughs> The guy that caught it barehanded yeah. in the press box. Yeah. Yes, that was yeah. remarkable. But even even when I'm, I told you, it's an irrational fear. Even when I'm behind the net, I'm still worried about it that it's gonna like pop up and like bounce off the the roof or something of the press box and bounce back down and hit me in the head. Like I'm I'm a naturally fearful person. Um, and it's funny, uh, my wife does not. She stopped playing soccer because she played indoor soccer and did not have her head on a swivel and just got pelted right inside of the face of the soccer ball that went through the little like five by five square in the wall. So I, I don't think people realize like those things like volleyball and we, we can dive into this. This actually works really well as we start to talk about volleyball. So we'll come back to this, but I'm just going to say, I don't know how many times I hear somebody who is like, you know, why, why is that person not a better passer? Why are they not better at digs? Why are they not this and this? And I'm like, do you realize what's coming at that person? A lot of the times, like to be on the other end of a stiffen slide is not just this thing of like, be better. The people who are incredibly good at that, like Kenzie Maloney are good at that because they're good at that. Like there are just certain people who like over time and experience, but also just being naturally good at a position, get really good at something but that doesn't make it easy. I, I sometimes think people like look at those positions and go, oh, I could do that. By all means, I would love to set up when COVID, COVID is not a thing and you can be on the other side of that. Let's set it up. Let's have a couple of different slides come your way and let's see how you fare. Because I, I think, do not think people realize. <laughs> I think athletes in baseball and volleyball have the best reflexes. Anybody else can feel free to to come at me or argue with me on that. I I mean, that'd be a fun argument. I think those two sports have athletes with the best reflexes. Um, Listeners, if you have an absurd hypothetical, send it to me and we'll read it on the podcast. Uh, Let's talk volleyball, which we We haven't already were already. Yeah. Let's talk Nebraska volleyball. Uh, Nebraska season came to an end Monday night in the regional finals against number four seed Texas. Um, I hated it. I watched it from the gym as Texas just kind of ran away from uh, with the, the third and fourth sets. And and as an ardent hater of Texas athletics, I hated every second of it. Um, there were a couple moments where it looked like Nebraska might be like heating up, getting ready to start rolling. Um, but by and large, they looked off. Coach John Cook said after the match, per your reporting, Jacob, um, which everyone should go read on HailVarsity.com, uh, Coach Cook said that he felt that this team was better than the 2019 team, uh, but both seasons ended in the same place. So, Jacob, we'll start with you. What happened on the court Monday? Why did Nebraska ultimately bow out? I think uh, it was a lot of the same problems that cost them last year and why they bowed out of the tournament in this round a year ago. And last year it was serving and passing they did not put nearly enough pressure on Wisconsin from a serving perspective, because typically the servant pass is what John Cook builds his program on. And last year's team was uncharacteristically poor in those areas compared to what we're used to seeing. Um, serving particularly, they, they weren't, their, assists, their aces to errors ratio was way off. They had young servers that just weren't, uh, weren't ready uh, for that, uh, that stage. And, this year, I thought they, they improved quite a bit in both areas. I thought they served pretty well, um, but they, and they dominated the service points because Texas was incredibly error-prone with their serves. And I think it was 9-3 to three, Nebraska aces to errors. And I thought even when they didn't get errors, Nebraska had some, some, good, some good serves. But Texas was so good passing. They, they covered up so many balls that it didn't look like they should be able to get back in, uh, in system from. 
And Nebraska, on the other hand, was losing um, kind of just standard standard shots. They weren't able to pass well. And Nicklin Hames was running for her life trying to get underneath the ball. And a lot of times Nicklin was the one digging the ball um, and having to have somebody else set the ball. Um, so they were out of system quite a bit. And so that's what it ultimately came down to. I mean, all you have to do is look at the, the sets, the, the set distribution. That'll tell you everything that you need to know about this match. Logan Eggleston, Texas's stud, got 57 or 53 sets. And their opposite hitter, Skyler Fields, had 27 come her way. And those two had 18 kills apiece. You look at Nebraska, and Nebraska's best player is Lauren Stiverns. She got 14 sets. And obviously, there's some kind of injury, injury stuff in there. Um, Lauren wasn't quite at full strength, I don't think. Um, but and then Lexi Sun is your other best hitter. She had 24 sets. And Kayla Caffey, the other middle blocker, only got 14 sets. That's 28 total sets for your middle blockers, which tells you they weren't in system. They weren't on balance enough to get the ball where they want it to go. When, um, when you're out of system, you just kind of throw it up in the direction of one of your outside hitters and let them go get it. And Maddie Kubik led the team with 39 sets. And she had 15 kills but hit 256. Um, so that, that, that's solid, not, not extraordinary. And they didn't really have anybody else that got going. And I think that was why, because they just weren't able to operate their offense nearly the same way that they did the day previous against Baylor. So that's ultimately what cost them was the passing, I think. And again, they, they improved a lot in some of these areas, but they just weren't able to play their best in the biggest match of the season. And I think part of that was probably what you mentioned there is Nebraska was not nearly as battle tested as a, a, a lot of um, the other teams in the tournament. Um, and they just weren't quite ready to play their best when they needed to. I just wanted to say if anyone listening to this, if you're not, if you aren't, I, I've seen a couple of these questions come through mostly throughout the season when I would take over for Jacob. Um, from some of my followers. So if you are not completely aware of what being out of system means in volleyball, it basically means that the team is not digging or passing well, and it's limiting the setters options. So what Jacob is talking about when he says, you know, you're looking at Lauren Stiverns understood that she had some limitations with her injury, but when you're looking at the different, looking at the different hitters and what they're getting, the distribution, you can tell again, like Jacob was saying that like Nicklin's options as far as setting were really, really limited. Now, when you watch how Texas was doing, their setter just seemed really at ease all throughout that match. She was setting the ball exactly where she wanted to, when she needed to, whereas there was times and they're a little bit more obvious in this moment, but like, for instance, Nicklin was setting sometimes almost out of the net. Now she's incredibly good at what she does. She is kind of like, okay, how many times have we said in football, an offensive line or a quarterback can like disguise a bad offensive line. If an offensive line is not incredibly solid, but the quarterback is just phenomenal. They can kind of buy some, they can, they can kind of trade that off. They can balance that out just a teeny bit so that way, when that quarterback is gone, you suddenly start to realize, oh, yikes. I don't sometimes think people realize how good Nicklin Hames is. I think people get it, but I don't think they realize how solid she is unless you took her out. Because if you took Nicklin out of that game and put someone else in, I think it, it changes even more drastically. So when they're out of system, you're just limiting basically your team's options. And that's really, really key. And Nebraska has been out of system a lot this season. And it really came to a head against Texas. I mean, Texas was just taking advantage of Nebraska left and right. And Texas was in system pretty much the whole night. Like Texas, I got to say, Texas's setter was just looked comfortable. She didn't, she wasn't running for her life. She looked like she had all different kinds of options. I was watching with my fiance and he kept saying like, oh, she's, you know, doing all these back sets. She's doing all this cool stuff. That's what happens when you're in system and you have the option to do that. When you're in Nicklin's situation, you're just trying to make the best of what you have. And she does make the best of what she has. How about that one point where she 
basically drew the Texas defender over the net, knowing as long as she could get a play on it, if the defender came over the net, she would basically get a point called for Nebraska. That is really smart play, but that is also not how you can fully play a game. That's being smart in that moment, but it cannot be how your setter has to react every single time. And that was what Nicklin was doing. She was having to just, she was, she was running a She was basically a track star. She was running everywhere against Texas, trying to get where she needed to. So if you are ever confused about out of system, that is basically it. You're not passing and digging well enough. So you're not setting your server up well. And that means ultimately you're limiting what you're able to do at the net. And especially when you're already down one of your best hitters, you're not winning a game like that. Yeah. And I, I I think it was that match um, probably one of the highlights for Nebraska kind of described or uh, illuminates what we're talking about here is uh, Lauren's uh, setting to Nicklin who sprinted over and swung back across her body for a down the line kill. Like that was awesome, but that is not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> That's not what you want. Like great job for Nicklin for uh, making the best of that situation, but your middle blocker should not be setting your uh, setter and having her sprint to the, the pin to go get the ball. And that's just kind of where Nebraska was all game long. And you mentioned Nicklin, I think, was one of the more improved players on the team this year. Last year, I thought a lot of their issues weren't necessarily just the passing. I thought she she missed sets a lot more often than she did this year. And I think her distribution was really good this year. They they were more aggressive setting the middles all year long. And that's, um, I think, some Tyler Hildebrand uh, influence there as well. And they've said that uh, multiple players have talked about that. Um, so I think Nicklin, uh, made a, made some big strides this season, but in that match, there wasn't a whole lot she could do based on the situation she was given. There are a few people that you could put on a level with Kelly Hunter as far as setting at Nebraska and Nicklin has started to put herself into that conversation in the 2020, 2021, whatever this season is, she has made, she is making a case for herself to be in contention with a name like Kelly Hunter, um, and I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. I'm just saying, I agree with Jacob. I think she was one of the most improved on this team. And you could tell when she got a good pass, she's great at knowing where things need to go. She's also really, really good at knowing where she can be aggressive. And she's so fun to watch. It would be, it'll just be something where I would love to be able to watch her when she's, when Nebraska is in system, because for anyone who is like inc- impressed by her right now, I, I just, it maybe feels boring because it's like, Oh, it's everything you expect. But when it's in system, she's going to be so fun to watch because she will be able to do so much more. That's the thing that I just, I, I hope Nebraska can get to because she deserves that as a setter. She could have a lot of fun, especially if any of those seniors come back. And I think it's worth noting here that, um, a lot of those passers were still young. You had mm-hmm. Kenzie Knuckles as a sophomore, Maddie Kubik as a sophomore. You had uh, Kayla Akana as a, a true freshman. Those are three of your players in that back row that played a lot of the time back there. And so you would hope just based on their youth and kind of the experience they've gained, you'd hope for a step forward next year from those players. And with, with the new players coming into the, the, the program, there's going to be some competition there as well. So mm-hmm. the players, they're either going to improve or they're going to lose their jobs. So I think that's, you can hope for continued progression there um, just based on the youth of the, the players involved, which is especially tough last year and this year a little bit as well. Um, but now they've got that experience. So hopefully they'll improve moving forward. Jacob, you have a notebook up from Tuesday in which you sort of spell out just the, the difference in the overall quality of the season of the schedule that Nebraska was able to play this year. They have a 16 and three record overall, which if you look at their 2019 season, they played 20 conference matches as opposed to 19 overall matches. Uh, they, and they, and they played 33 matches total in, in the 2019 season. So we're talking about season that's already nearly cut in half. And then on top of that, it was, it was choppy. So they open with back-to-back matches on January 26th and 23rd, and then they don't play again until February 5th. They play for a few weeks and then matches against Wisconsin, which probably would have helped them gets canceled. So they have another break from February 21st to March 5th. Then their break between the end of their season, March 26th and the start of their tournament one tournament run, excuse me, April 15th, that break is super long as well. 
Um, what kind of what kind of impact did just the choppiness of the year have? Was there was there an effect of just not playing as many matches? Um, and then they, they also only played two ranked opponents before this tournament. Like like what kind of did, or or those realistic things that you can look at and, and point to and say like, yeah, this is a reason why maybe they didn't have as great of a tournament performance as they were hoping for. Oh, for sure. And I think that's a big part of what cook was talking about afterward where like, yeah, I feel like this team is better than it was a year ago, but this team didn't get enough matches to kind of become fully realized to really learn about itself and figure out, all right, who are we as a team? Because you did face so, so few true challenges you had the wisconsin series canceled you had the penn state series canceled purdue wasn't on the schedule this year on the reduced schedule um so that's the other uh seeded team from the tournament that you didn't get to see so it was just minnesota and just ohio state and they split both those series um so and cook talked about how how much of a learning experience that that lost to ohio state was and so they had that. And then you played, I think, Michigan, and then you had the week off, and then you had the two weeks off before the tournament. So it's just a tough place to be as a team where um, even with the amount of experience they had returning, they still had, they were playing a little different. They had some new players in key roles. So it, it, it was still a new team. And I don't think they had enough time to really. Uh, kind of polish everything up, ha- hammer everything down, and know exactly who who are we in the big moments and the high pressure situations. How are how is everybody on this team going to respond? And so they kind of had to again, like you mentioned, they played 19 total matches this year, which is less than they would normally play in a conference season, let alone a non-conference and a tournament. So it's it, it is what it is. There are a lot of teams that had to deal with things just like Nebraska. So it's not necessarily a unique excuse, but it is disappointing that we weren't able to see kind of a full season of this team to be able to kind of learn and grow and get better as the season went on. Yeah. And I want to add too. I think kind of going back to what Jacob was saying just a minute ago about how young, like the, your, a lot of your def- defenders were like, when you think of Kenzie Knuckles, uh, Keanu Lay, uh, Maddie Kubik, like that, an, a quote unquote normal season would have served all of them much better than what you had this year, because especially when it comes to digging, a lot of that comes from experience. It just comes from playing and playing and playing and you can replicate a lot of that in practice, but it doesn't really bring the same level of pressure and everything else until you're in that moment. When you are actually in the moment and you experience it and you have to have someone you know, Nebraska was supposed to play Stanford. So when you have a team like that, that would have tested you in a situation that honestly wouldn't have mattered all that much if you dropped it because you have the rest of your season ahead to work those kinks out. I think Nebraska one lost some of its best potential matchups to give that experience because of COVID in this like new season for 2021, whatever, like this spring was, uh, you don't have Penn State. You're not playing Wisconsin. Those probably would have provided really good opportunities. But now on top of it, like you don't even like get a f- it. Like Jacob said, it's not uniquely. It's not unique to Nebraska. Certainly not. It's not an excuse. And I don't think John Cook would use it as an excuse, but it definitely doesn't help. It doesn't put you it doesn't set your team up for success. And, and it's going to take the people who could have really, really used that time. And it's going to make it harder. Someone like. Lauren Stiverens, she's been through this enough. She knows what it looks like, but I'd assume somebody like Kenzie Knuckles could have used an, an, an extra series or two to really like work on her game, but you just don't have that option. That's not what this year provided. Jacob, any other thoughts? No, I think she just kind of uh, finished off kind of what I was talking about there. So you had a, uh, you had a strange season. So, I mean, like in, in some of the, the football stadiums that I was in, there were, there were people in there. Um, and it, and it felt, it felt weird, obviously, because they weren't full stadiums, but there was still a good deal of people in there for a while. You were covering matches where there was nobody. Um, you, you, I guess like, 
what was that like then to suddenly be inside CHI on Monday where there's an actual real home court advantage for the first time for this Nebraska team that has a really, really passionate fan base behind it. What was kind of that experience like after such a strange last year for you covering sports? Yeah, it, it was definitely cool to see kind of all the red trickling in and obviously they had to spread it out around the arena. So you didn't necessarily get any kind of sea of red image or anything like that. But you looked around outside of one little section, you, you saw some burnt orange there, but it was basically all Ooh. red the rest of the, the rest of the arena. And I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to do that by uh, the new college football points of emphasis ruling. <laughs> Go ahead. Give a horns down. Nobody's watching this. Um, be, be careful <laughs> because Texas might tweet about you. So just be careful. <laughs> Say one thing. And then five years later, it will still live in their dumb heads rent free. Even though none of the players on the team were her teammates. Oh, or... Only one. There was one. Okay. Only one. Who? <laughs> Um, I, I looked it up the other day. I'll have to go back to their yeah. roster. It was literally one person on the team at the same time as her. <laughs> I was going to say, because I thought they only had one senior. I guess maybe somebody read. I thought they only had one senior and it was a grad transfer. Um, Let me go double check. I swear yeah. I thought it was one, but maybe my math and like roster matchups are hard. And also Texas doesn't exactly like their roster was kind of confusing when I was looking at it. It's amazing that Texas can throw shade and complain about something stupid like that when Texas is the reason that you can't do horns down in a football game anymore because of their sensitive buds. So <laughs> Jacob, back to what you were anyway, saying. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting, like at the very start of the season um, to see them uh, experiment and try to figure out, all right, what's the best way to do this with the limited attendance where you had a hundred or less fans. And I know the football players, uh, boyfriends, friends kind of made their presence felt that first weekend uh, where they were getting a lot of heckling and some well-timed chants during the, the opposing team serving. Um, so that was fun. And then after the first day, they added some music in between uh, to try to get, get a little bit more noise in there uh, because they didn't want to go with the, the basketball weird crowd, fake crowd noise kind of track, which I appreciate them trying to do something besides that because that was awful. It was but, terrible. It was, oh yeah, it was bad. So bad. It was very bad. So bad. Uh, but and yeah, it didn't it was, go away either. It didn't go away. No, like it was no. never one of those things where you're like, oh, after you're here for like five games, like suddenly you will, you will, you will not hear it. Your brain will tune it out. That didn't happen. Uh, well, yeah. And I had that break when I got COVID and missed a couple of match or a couple of basketball games. And then I came back and, was, and it started up as like, oh, that's right. They're still doing this. <laughs> I did not miss this. Um, but so, yeah, it, it was nice to see that many people in there and just kind of hear the, the, the natural background noise of a college sports game uh unfortunately uh nebraska wasn't able to put itself in a position where the crowd could really swing things um i you could that kind of advantage you could get one to two points uh and if you come up in, into a close game situation that that could help you push over the top but nebraska wasn't able to hang with texas enough to take it down to a tiebreaker type situation late in in any of the sets so that was unfortunate i was also i was up in the uh if you've ever been to chi uh, center the kind of the hockey press box the uh, we're way up in the rafters so it was a little bit different i i don't quite know what it was like for the players on the court compared to what i was hearing up top so it's we're separated quite a bit so i kind of wonder how much the players heard and kind of what it felt like for them uh, i know uh, Nick Van Hayden's talk about it was great to have him back and how part of the sadness they felt was missing out on the chance to play for a national championship in front of those fans. And that was the first time they got to play in front of them all season. And it's kind of uh, unfortunate that they had to go one and done with that, but um, it was good. I'm, I'm glad that they were able to at least get that one match this year where especially the seniors were able to hear their friends, family, and fans in general out there cheering for them. Cook has said that uh, scholarships will be honored for any senior that wants to return next season. Nebraska has Lauren Stiverns and Lexi Sun mulling decisions, as well as Jazz Sweet and Haley Densberger. Um, 
What do you think ultimately happens there, Jacob? Yeah, um, I, I guess I'd be most surprised by Jazz Sweet returning just based on how the season went for her where she did lose her job and only got it back full time because of an injury to Riley Zoon. And now you've got younger, talented outside hitters coming into the program where uh, th- th- nothing's going to be given by default. And I just kind of feel like where she is as a player, where she got to at Nebraska, um, she kind of leveled off there late and didn't have a great season. And next year is going to be even tougher. So I, I would be surprised to see her return. Um, Haley Densberger as a walk-on, you, you never quite know what is going on there, kind of what she's hoping to do next. If she wants to pursue um, a master's degree, uh, wants to pursue further education, and she's going to be sticking around, then why not be on the team another year? Um, but I, I think what I'm going into this situation expecting is they're all going to move on. And then if any of them choose to return, uh, it'll be kind of a bonus or a pleasant surprise. I could, Lauren Stiverens is, uh, is in her fifth year of college. She redshirted and kind of heard the stories about uh, Lauren throughout her career. She's not the biggest fan of school. So I don't know that a sixth year of classes is something that would uh, be interesting or of interest to her, uh, especially if she has a chance to go make some money play in this game. I would, I would imagine uh, a player of her uh, physical tools and talent uh, should be able to find a job playing volleyball somewhere. So maybe with the way that she ended the season hurt and didn't get kind of the typical senior year Maybe that kind of pushes her towards coming back a little bit, but I think she, I'd be surprised at this point if she did come back for kind of all the reasons I laid out. Uh, But if she does, I think it'll probably be a little bit of what I talked about there at the end. Uh, Lexi, I think is probably a little bit more likely. Um, She's only been at Nebraska three years after spending that first year at at Texas. Um, So uh, she's a true senior this year. Um, And I have to imagine kind of the way that last match went uh, left a sour taste in her mouth. And it would be tough for that, that match where she hit zeros um, against her former team for that to be your final college memory. That, that would be really tough, but uh, also if she, she's another player that I'm sure would have some professional opportunities um, if she wants to go pursue it. And um, who knows, maybe uh, if they hurry up and get this NIL stuff done, maybe that offers another incentive to return where we know, obviously, how popular those women are on social media and kind of some of the opportunities they'd have in that, uh, in that area if they return. So maybe if that gets done, um, it would be more enticing to return. But I think you, I'm kind of going into this, not expecting any of them to be back. Is Lauren working on her master's? I don't know where she's at in her schooling, honestly. It's not really something they put, put on their bio, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, and I would say too, I think the one part, the one part that I hold on to is the fact that what's interesting here over pretty much any other sport. So like I can understand where like a baseball player from last year who was maybe weighing the odds of returning would then have to weigh – what nearly waiting nearly another like eight months before a new season turns around like that's probably a little bit of a that that has to be a harder decision in my opinion than at least in this case you're talking like three and a half months less time for like practice to begin but like three and a half ish months until a season would start over and you're only talking the fall season, you're not having to wait through all the way to spring, which could be, which could be an incentive for someone like Lauren, who, even if she doesn't like school so much is like, all right, it's just one more semester, maybe. But that, that, that I think is like further down on the list of reasons too. I just think it is a note we're saying that like, at least it's only spring to fall. And it's not, like I said, like what baseball had to decide last year, any spring sport had to decide last year is a full, like, you're having to go almost like eight months before your season starts again. That would be tough. Like I can understand people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, but 
I, I also just want to throw this out there. I'm completely in agreement with Jacob. The person high on my list I think could return is Lexi's son. And I could be totally just reading into all of this. Um, but John Cook has like tweeted a lot about her. Now, the most recent tweets were in response to what Texas tweeted. He was being supportive on that. So I'm not reading into that. However, prior to the tournament and stuff, he was like talking, like he was like, you know, talking about his seniors, but like he was sharing more about Lexi and I'm total conspiracy theorist. I'm like, what are you trying to tell us? Maybe you're just trying to recruit your own player to come back. I don't know. Um, but it was something I at least picked up on. It probably means nothing. But as the as the resident conspiracy theorist, I just <laughs> would like John Cook to know I'm reading into all of his tweets. For the record, John did say he's not going to recruit any of them. Uh, his kind of thinking is, hey, if I have to recruit you now, then I'm going to have to recruit you closer to the season. And he's just not about that. So if they, he's going to welcome them back, but... but- you know, me, I'm like, maybe he's just sending a little extra tweets. Like, hey, as a reminder, you can be great. I don't know. I don't know. No, he's also the same person that will ask. I know um, I know a, another me- member of the media, she shared, Nicole, shared a tweet yeah. of him basically saying, you see my tweet. He yeah. does that a lot where he asks <laughs> us, have you seen my tweet? And he, yeah. if I'm ever on anything with him, he'll be like, Aaron's probably seen my tweet, which I don't know what that <laughs> says about me. <laughs> Like she probably knows ask her he literally for like a year made me the person where he's like if you want the numbers just talk to her i'm like amazing so (laughs) he he does make an effort to call out especially women in media to kind of draw attention to them and kind of point out um and that that, that's always kind of cool you and nicole he's always uh making jokes with and calling out uh in press conference settings so yeah, John is, he's, he is, I appreciate Jacob pointing that out because he is actually really awesome at, um, he wants one, he just wants more media in general, more people who will show up for his team. He's like all for it. Like whatever you, you, it doesn't matter. Show up, cover his team. He loves it. Um, but he does make a big point of celebrating the women who show up to cover his teams as well. And I, I when there's not a lot of us, it does, it does feel nice to be like, thank you for appreciating us as well so he he I imagine that is how he treats his players in the locker room and beyond so you see when we talk about if you ever want to know how like a team is run um it all starts with your head coach so if you ever want to look at and so John Cook I think is one of the best John Cook for NCAA president (laughs) or something would certainly be run better (laughs) or something more local in the mm. near future maybe as we as we know i love a good conspiracy theory we'll see. theory so aaron is on to john cook's racket so if he's listening to this podcast which when I'm he on sees that you. jacob Manila is on it he might listen to it and aaron too he might have to listen to it just know john aaron's on to you i'm watching the tweets i'm reading into them i'm, I'm doing the taylor swift thing where i'm taking all the capital letters i'm putting them to, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I will let you guys get out of here. You probably both have work to do. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was insightful listening to you guys talk about in-system, out-of-system for somebody like me that, that is not as knowledgeable in the sport. Um, and it was fun, entertaining conversation. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, that's what John Cook calls volleyball 101 type of discussion. It's great. I love having those kinds of discussions. I, I hope that we can get to a point with football where we were having football one-on-one conversations. Like if you've seen those videos that have been tweeted out where Nick Saban is talking about various concepts and what they would do versus these different fronts when they're, when they're shown defensively, I want those kinds of press conferences, not necessarily like, Hey, what's your culture like? Yeah. Which I mean, I was the guy that asked the culture question on day one, but we're still at that point. So Hopefully we can, we can, we can get to a, a volleyball level here soon, which I'm sure a lot of people would be happy for. Um, well, and I have to point this out really quick, Jacob, when you started covering volleyball for Hill varsity, was that the, like, how was that like the first time you took a full volley? Like you took a beat fully for volleyball. No, I covered volleyball my last three years at Creighton. Okay. So, but still you've been what covering volleyball for a deck, a little over a decade then. Uh, yeah. So this is 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, about nine years. You're old. Okay. So uh, yes. I want to, I want to point so. this out. <laughs> I just want to point this out because people do this a lot with women when they cover football 
or they cover a, a sport that's typically played by men. Now I understand there's men's volleyball, but let's just Nebraska only has a women's volleyball team. Um, Jacob is probably one of the best in the business when it comes to covering volleyball. I often joke, I'll take the beat from him. Like when he like lets me have it and like, no one wants that. Like Nate, the SID for volleyball often like just laughs to appease me with that joke, but never actually like, he does not want me to replace Jacob. Um, but no, we would be sorely, we would sorely miss Jacob on this beat. So like, if you are not reading his work when it comes to anything he does, but I just want to say with like volleyball, for somebody who has been covering the sport for nine years, hasn't played it himself. There are a few people who understand it as well as he does. And there are things that somebody who played volleyball, I still learn from Jacob. So I'm not trying to like toot your horn too much here, Jacob, but I do want to just throw that out there that like, I feel this way about both of you with basketball, by the way, but even like Derek with football, like I am really always impressed by our staff and Jacob, when it comes to your volleyball coverage, I hope people realize what we have because it is really great to have somebody who understands and can break down volleyball in the way and be smarter after it. So like read what Jacob puts out there with volleyball because your option otherwise is me and it's just going to be conspiracy theories about what John Cook tweets. Just don't follow him on Twitter because then you have to deal with a lot of Phoenix Sun stuff. She was saying too many nice things about you. I was gonna say, so thank you, you Aaron. Like, knock I, it down. I'll acknowledge that part. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading HillVarsity.com. Listen to our shows. Listen to Christian on the radio. Read Jacob Badilla's work. As Aaron said, I can co-sign on that. It's always excellent. It's always wonderful. Uh, get the magazine. Aaron's got some work that, has, again, is always excellent, always wonderful. So thank you guys for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. A Huda Media Production.